That was, uh, for me personally, the praise and the heart here is a huge blessing. Um, wow, <laughs> it's hard to, to come on the coattails of that. I, I have a confession to make at the beginning. I stole one of the flip-flops from the display table outside. Um, I'll put it back. Um, but last night, we came. Um, we actually had some confusion about the beginning of the activity last night, so we arrived an hour and a half early. Um, but it was, it was a blessing. We walked and kind of looked at things, and we saw the flip-flops with the message, follow me. And it was so, so humbling, and just the impact of seeing that and with the image on the flip-flops, and I've heard a little bit about the, the, the program, but the concept that God puts out, that we're to follow him. I want to I share a passage in a moment, but before I do, I'd like to share a little bit about that concept in Spain, and then bring it home to us here today. Because for, for someone in Spain, when they feel the challenge to step out and follow Christ, it's a huge deal. Because they're basically born into their friend groups. From birth, they start hanging out. I mean, in nursery and diapers, they're hanging out with their, their friends who will be their friends for life, who their spouse most likely will come from that friend group. And even then, as they become adults, that's their group of friends that they hang out with, they go to dinner with, they have the fiestas with. And their friend group is a big part of their identity. So the people that we've come in contact with who get to the point of saying, you know, I want what you have. I want to know more. I want to know if there is a God who is real. For them to then reach a point where they step out is huge. Because for them, everything is on the line. Their friends, their family, their job in some situations, everything they know. So in Spain, when someone then takes that step, they are isolated. At one point when I thought about, when I was thinking about and praying about the Sunday, I thought about coming and having chocolate or something on my nose and just see what your reaction is. Because I'm sure everyone would look at me like, What's up with him? Did he eat a donut and forgot that he had chocolate on his nose? But I mean, the concept of when someone is different, everyone notices. In Spain, when someone who is Spanish steps out and becomes a believer, it's just like if you go walk down the street with a big thing of chocolate on your nose, you're different, you're strange, you're, what is that? People have told us, oh, you know, I understand what you believe, I, I even think you're right. But you don't understand, I'm from Spain. I can't do that. And yet God continues to call out and say, follow me. And people are, there are people taking that step. There are more people who are thinking about it and thinking about the cost. But this morning I want to to just briefly think about that concept of God calling us to follow him. I'd like to share a passage. It's probably a passage you know, you've probably read it before, but 
It's in Luke chapter 5. And I'd just like us to, to look at this passage and think about where are we in this? It's in Luke 5, starting in verse 1. And here it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. We're going to stop there just for a second, because we can read through that. I'm sure, I mean, right now, just, oh yeah, you know, that's nice. But it's interesting because the fishermen were going through their ordinary routine. They'd been all night out fishing, which we'll see later, which we know. And they were there washing their nets on the shore. They'd finished. They were probably ready to go home to get some sleep, maybe have some food. And here comes Jesus. And it wasn't a coincidence that Jesus picked Simon's, Peter's boat. But he goes over there and says, Hey, um, I know you're busy. You're doing what you always do, but can you help me out for a minute? And he gets in the boat and... Simon goes with him and they push out a little ways from shore. And then it says, And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But, uh, okay, at your word, I will let down the nets. Sorry, I added a little bit in there because my imagination sometimes runs a little bit. But can you imagine being in the situation? Are there any fishermen in here? A little bit? Well, yeah. (laughs) I understand the theory of fishing. Do you normally go out fishing during the day? Is that the best time to catch a fish? No, not the middle of the day, normally. And what fishermen did is, I mean, they fished through the night or early morning. I mean, that's what I've heard. I'd never get up early enough, I guess, to catch the fish. But So, I mean, Peter here, he says, okay, Master, let me just explain what we've been doing. We've already gone out and fished and didn't get anything. We were there all night, and we just finished cleaning the net. We're ready to go home. But, okay, I guess if you say, then we will. But it's important to realize this context. And then we know the story, it says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. 
That story for me, and we're going to see one more in just one moment. But that story for me is so amazing. Because here, it wasn't a convenient moment for these fishermen. They were tired. They just finished their day's work. They just finished their ordinary day and got nothing. And yet Jesus shows up on the scene and we see what he brings in. They brought in a fortune of fish. And then we'll come back to this story in a moment, but then we're going to jump farther down on verse 27. It says here, After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. To me, I remember as a teenager, as a young Christian, hearing all the different times Jesus called someone. And how it said, Jesus would go to them and say, follow me. And how many times it says, and immediately, they got up and left everything and followed him. Wow. If Jesus walked in this building right now, if he opened those doors and said, hey, Dan, someone's better. Get out of the way. And said, okay. And he looked at us in the eyes and said, follow me. Are we ready to leave everything? Say, okay, God, and be like Abraham. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm with you. That's what they did. And it's amazing, this story of the fishermen, because first, Jesus used them where they were. He used them there on the shore. He said, hey, Peter, I need your boat. Come with me. Let's go with what you have. We're here right now. Let me teach you something. And so they went out a little ways from the shore, and Jesus taught to the multitude. Can you imagine being in Peter's shoes right there? He's probably tired. They're thinking, oh, I just helped out Jesus. I let him use my boat, and look what he's doing. Look at this. Can you believe this? Can you imagine when Jesus went home, if the story ended there, when Jesus got home, what he would have told to everyone who would listen? Hey, today I didn't catch any fish, but you know what? Jesus sat in my boat and he talked to the multitude. You should have heard what he said. But Jesus first used him where he was. And then he said, okay, Peter and friends and company, you also need to remember who I am because I know what's coming next. And so he says, hey, I know your nets are clean. It's okay. You won't regret it. Drop them in the water again. And they bring in a load of fish like they had never brought in before to the point where they're panicking. Like, hey guys, come help us because we're going down. And they have this load of fish that could have been a fortune. Can you imagine if the story ended there? Peter could have thought, hey, because, you know, I say Peter because Peter was always the one that jumped to the conclusions. He could have said, ah, oh, Jesus, with your power in my net, we could fund missions around the world forever. 
But fortunately, Jesus didn't let the story stop there. He did want Peter and friends to understand who he was. And Peter in this moment got it because he falls down before Jesus and says, he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He gets it. He realizes who Jesus is. And they see the power of our Lord. Because they went from a night of working, putting all their energy all night long, and not even having a little fish they could use for bait the next day. They had nothing. And yet when Jesus came on the scene and told them to fish when it wasn't the optimal time of day to fish, and they catch a huge amount of fish. So much so that with two boats, they're still struggling. But with Jesus in it, he does amazing things. And then Jesus continues the story, and when they all come together, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. He says, you know, come with me. You're going to be doing something different. And it's not about what you know or what you can do or your net. It's about walking with me. It's about following me. Look what I just did with the fish. And it says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And those words that come out time after time, they left everything and followed him. To me, I think, wow. How could they do that? How, how could they do that? But they realized who it was who was calling them. And it was interesting in the story of Levi. Same thing, he was a tax collector. Not a popular guy. Not someone you would invite over for Sunday afternoon. But he also, Jesus comes and says, follow me. And he leaves everything. And follows. And it's amazing because it says... Multiple times when Jesus says, follow me, they immediately. That word doesn't mean that they sat and thought, hmm, okay, I've heard this guy's teaching. Yeah, he's pretty good. I've seen his miracles. Yeah, he, he's pretty powerful. But everything? It says they immediately. Because they realized that if God's in it, that's where I want to be. If God's going to go there, that's where I want to go. If God doesn't want me here, I don't want to be here. It's like Moses in the desert when he said, God, if, if you are not going over there, we don't want to move from this place. This is where we want to be. But it's important to see the progression in the longer story of the fishermen. Jesus first used them where they were. Then he reminded them of who he is. And then said, you know what? I can do things with you and through you and with you following 
that you can't even imagine. And that's what we see throughout Scripture. Is our God is able to do so much more than we could ask or think or imagine, is what it says in, in the Word. In, in the church plant in Tafai, I tell people, and, and they are quick to back me up on this, that I tell them, my imagination goes wild. And yet the Bible says God can do even more than I can imagine. And that's what Peter, sorry, that's what Jesus shows Peter here and his friends. Is, hey, you walk with me and it's not about your net. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you can do. It's about me. It's amazing because God doesn't want us to serve him with our abilities. Yes, he wants us to give him our abilities, but he wants us to serve him with everything. I've, my children have heard this story many, many times. You're going to hear it again. When the Lord put missions in my heart, I was someone very, very timid. Very, to say very timid is, a, is an understatement. I wouldn't talk. Um, when my first wife met me, she thought I was mute. And it sounds like a joke, but it was real. Um, John David is my brother-in-law. It was his sister. And he can back this story up. If you don't believe me, send him an email after church and he will back it up. And God said, I want you to go into missions. Now, I don't know how you see that, but I see that as God's great sense of humor. Because here was someone that didn't talk to people. And God says, I want you to go into missions. So I thought, okay, well, God, if I'm hearing this right, I better learn how to paint my face white and be a good mime. Because maybe I'll be a mime missionary. Because I don't talk to people. And yet... God took me to this passage and some others and reminded me that, you know what? Yes, I'm meeting you where you're at. And I'm going to show you that it's about my power. It's not about trusting in what you have or what you can do. It's about leaving everything, both things that you've been trusting in and things that you feel like, well, I can't do that because I don't talk. Or I can't go to the mission field because what am I going to do? Or I'm not a good at learning languages. I can't do that. But it's interesting here because in this case, Jesus doesn't say anything to them about, okay, first you need to do this, 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 and this. And it's interesting because when, when people saw the disciples... What it says in the scripture is people were amazed because here was this group of men that were without titles and yet they could tell they had been with Jesus. For me, I thought, and constantly I go back to that passage and I think, wow, when I come in contact with people in Spain, do they see me and think, wow, Dan, maybe he's a little strange, but hey, he believes and lives what he says. And he has been with Jesus. I just want to challenge us this morning 
to think about what is Jesus calling us to? Because he's calling you to something. Maybe it's not to go around the world. Maybe it's to pray more for missionaries who are working around the world. Maybe it is to go around the world. We're looking for people to help in Spain. Just putting that out there. It's my little commercial on the side. But God wants more of us. The praise songs that we sang. Wow. That's where God wants our heart to be too. Not just our mouth. As we were singing some of those songs, I thought, wow, God, wait, I need to stop for a minute because I need to make sure that my heart is lining up with what I'm saying because this is powerful. But God is saying, follow me. And the enemy comes in with fear, with showing us our weaknesses. I'm sure we've all been there. That God says, oh, you know, go talk to that person. The first thing that pops in your head, what are you going to say? Or in my case, wait a minute, you're afraid to talk to yourself. How are you going to talk to that person? I've gotten over talking to myself. I do it frequently now. But the enemy comes in and shows us the weakness. It's interesting here because Peter's first response is, Master, this is our job. We do have experience in this, and we've been working, and not just working, but working hard all night long. I always find it curious when people tell Jesus what they've been doing. He knows. But we do it. I do it. But God, you know, I struggle with this. He knows. But then Peter says, okay, but... I remember, I've seen you, I've heard you, I've had interactions with you, and I know you're the God of surprises. You're the God who shows up in ways that we don't expect. So okay, let's do it. That's where God wants us to be. To say, oh yeah, you know, God, I have all these things I don't understand. But I do understand that you're good. I do understand that you're the one who uses everything for good. I do understand that you're the all-powerful God who can do so much more than I can imagine. And I understand that if you're in the middle of the storm, I'd rather be in the storm than out of it. And God's message is the same. Don't be afraid. I will make you fishers of men. I will give you the tools I will be strong in your weakness. I will be there in the middle of your fear. I will show you that you can do much more than you could ever imagine with me in your life. And there's a, a passage that I have to share. The people in the church, I, I say this when I say, I know you know this passage, but I need to share it again. It's one of two passages always. And um, I just I want to read it. It's Ephesians three, <clears throat> and verse twenty. Um, and it just says, "This is the the verse that I made a reference to." It says, "Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us." 
To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, I mean, as it says here, now to Him who is, a, who is able to do far more abundantly, or in other versions it says exceedingly abundantly. So that's basically like if you put abundantly there and then you put a bomb inside and explode it, the point that it reaches, that's the concept. Abundantly than all that we could ask or think or imagine according to the power at work within us. That's a present tense. The power, the power of God is at work in us if we know Him as our Savior. The power of God is at work within us if we're following Him. It's not about, well, I can do this because I'm prepared. Preparation is important. But we trust God for what we need to do. We trust God for what He's called us to. And this morning, I'd just like to throw out a challenge. Because I believe 100% that God is saying to all of us, follow me. Maybe He's calling you into the mission field. Maybe you're in the mission field and God's calling you to take another step into a different part of ministry. Maybe God's calling you to a change. Maybe God's calling you to, to many different things. But God will give you the strength. It's not about, well, but I just finished this and now I need a break. It's not like Peter legitimately could have made that case. It's like, okay, God, let me have a power nap. Then we'll do this. But God will give us the strength. And maybe it's, again, being from Spain, maybe God is calling you to follow him in new ministry opportunities. And you might say, well, I don't know any. Well, I'm going to help you with that. For, some, for many people, we've met many people who say, well, you know, missions is my heart, but I can't go. It's Okay. I mean, with university ministries here, there are people from around the world coming here. God is bringing the mission field also here. And we want to share an opportunity and a need in that idea. We have what we call a reverse missions trip. And you might think, what is that? Maybe I should go with the mic and say, what's a reverse missions trip? The idea is... The person comes to you. And the only detail is that you need to open your home to house a teenager. And some people might think, oh, a teenager, they're scary. <laughs> um, but the, it's been amazing to see how the Lord has worked in Spain. Because you go visit ch- churches in Spain, a church this size is a borderline mega church, first of all, in Spain is the reality. Most churches are 20 to 30 people. But you visit a church, you don't see teenagers. You see people my age, you see older people. Maybe there's a young family with young children, but there aren't teenagers. There was, there's one ministry that every other year has a, a week-long program in Spain. It's called Mission Possible. 
And it gets all the teenagers, the idea is to get all the Christian teenagers in Spain together, and you get maybe 1,500 in all of Spain. Um, But in our area, you go to the churches, there are no teenagers. But it's been amazing how the Lord has worked through English classes in the church, through the camp ministry that kids come to camp to practice English that we now have teenagers who started at seven years old at camp and have gone through, and now they're 15, 16, 17 years old, and they're too old for camp. And their last year at camp is the saddest thing you've ever seen because you get halfway through camp and the crying starts because they realize, this is it. I can't come back next year. And this year in particular, the night before camp was going to end, we were down in the dining room for dinner, and this table, two or three started crying. And this table, two or three started crying. And this table, a brand new camper who'd never been before started crying. And I was thinking, oh, we're going to have a meltdown. And so I went around and being very compassionate, I told them, wait till tomorrow. Save this for tomorrow when your parents are here and they can deal with it. And that was very heartfelt. But... I told them, you know, we're still here at camp. Enjoy what you have. But the campers came to both Sharon and I and actually had a room decoration the last day pleading for more activities for the teens. Um, And there are teenagers who parents call us and say, you know, do you know anyone who would be willing to host my teenager for a month in the summer? And we, um, four years ago, we actually sent a team. We sent 10 teenagers to, to a church in Houston that hosted. And it was amazing because before anyone ever signs up, we tell the families they need to come to the church building and we have a meeting set up from the church service in the morning. And basically I explain to the families who we are, what we believe, and the context that their teenager will be in. So here are all these Spanish families, 100% Spanish families, sitting there, hearing what we believe and why. And the first time that I, I got to do it, I had one of those moments that I felt like I, I was standing there talking, but I just stepped back for a moment. I thought, wow, this is impossible in Spain. You have a group of, we had 45 Spaniards only Spaniards, in a church building, hearing the gospel. And, and at first I thought, okay, okay, I'm afraid to look up because someone's going to pick up a chair and throw it at me. But I looked up and everyone was nodding. And I was, I was shocked. And I talked to some of the families afterwards and they're like, you know, we don't understand everything you're talking about. But we've seen amazing things in those who come work camp. We've seen amazing things in you guys as a family. And if the families that they're going to live with are like you guys, it's good. And Sharon the other day said, you know, a lot of Spaniards are starting to get it, but they don't got it yet. And that's the reality. So one opportunity that maybe this morning the Lord is saying, follow me, take this step out. Be willing to open your home and receive a Spanish youth that speaks English like I speak it. They have to have an interview with me to come. 
So it's not that you have to know Spanish. The idea is they come to use their English. And the only detail is that you're willing to have an adoptive child for one month and live out your faith. Spend time with them. Show them through your actions in your daily life who Christ is and that it's not about just Sunday. It's not about an hour a week. It's not about rights. It's not about doing certain things, but that we have a Lord who walks with us and says, follow me, I'm there. So, that's just my plug for Spanish ministry, but please, pray. As Cliff was saying, if you want to come visit, come visit. We live in a, we have a big old house. It was a 500-year-old fixer-upper. Um, if you want to see what that looks like, I'm not going to tell you more. You have to come and see But Spain is an amazing country with amazing people. But they need to see faith in action. Whether it be here, whether it be there, they need to see. They've heard a lot. But they need to see that there is a God who loves us. And we don't have to earn his love. He gives it to us. We come up to him messed up and he says, here, I'm what you need. You don't have to climb a ladder to get to me. You don't have to be good enough because we can't be good enough. So I would just like to challenge you to remember that maybe today God is saying, follow me. Wherever it is He's taking you, wherever it is He wants you to step out and follow Him, He's the author and finisher of our faith. He knows. He knows those voices and those fears that you have. And if this guy, who was afraid to talk to himself, can stand here in front of you today and talk, can go and be a missionary in Spain, God can overcome whatever issue or problem you have. Because I'm pretty sure it's not severe. But God wants to use you in something amazing. And I guarantee Peter and friends never forgot that mass of fish. And that was Jesus' idea, is I want you to follow me and know that I can, that I can take care of it, that I can provide for whatever you need, and that I will give you what you need for what I'm asking you to do. He will do it. And it's an amazing adventure when we take that step out and realize that it's about him, that he gets the glory. And he just says, bring your flip-flop, follow me, because he's worthy. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you just for the amazing fact that you are such an amazing God. And that you meet us where we are, that you use us where we are, and that you remind us that you can do so much more even than we could imagine. Thank you that you are faithful and that we can put it all on you. We can give you everything and know that you will never let us down. Thank you that you work in the perfect timing and thank you that you do put missions in the hearts of your people, Lord, and that we all have a part. Thank you for the blessing that this church and many like it have been 
to missionaries around the world. Thank you that we're not alone, that we're part of your body, which is bigger than any borders, bigger than anything that can come. Thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you just for the privilege of being able to be part of your body together. Thank you for all that you will do through each one of us, Lord, and the fact that you never leave us alone. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.